we are addressing some myths that Christians often encounter around mental health issues. Number three is a good one. I'm really excited about that one. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall, and we have some special guests with us. We have Heather Conway and Dawson Conway as we continue to go through uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so we are addressing some specific topics around mental health, and we just wanted to say that we're not mental health professionals. We don't have a PhD, or we're not psychologists or trained counselors, but we do have... Um, we do have experience with this. We, we have, have professional <laughs> experience. We have, yeah. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have a lot of um, yes, we do. insight around some of these issues that we just want to bring to the forefront as we continue to talk about them. So let's just dive in. we got five myths that we're going to cover today. Let's start with the first one. Um, the first myth that I've heard, and Dawson, I'm going to throw this one to you. If you are dealing with mental health issues, God is mad at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very common myth I hear, um, and I don't think I don't think it's as much as uh, people telling the outside world that 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 is true. I just think it's in our own hearts we can convince ourselves of that at times. Um, I think it's important to remember that that conviction comes from God, shame comes from the enemy, and sometimes we feel shameful about these 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 emotional weaknesses that we all have. And and if you're shameful, it's going to prevent you from being able to hear from God at times. Um, You're going to be hyper-focused on your shame rather than being able to sense God's shalom in his presence. Um, And and that is, um, a lot of that can be rooted in disillusionment with God. I I had an opportunity to share a message this past week, and I talked a little bit about disillusionment with God. And that's a a real uh, struggle that people... um, fall into at times. But once you understand that God doesn't want you to be shamed and you know that he, he wants, cast all your anxieties on him, right? He, he wants to be um, there for us in those emotional um, trials. Then I think it'll allow you to approach him um, wholeheartedly and then you can experience him. And that is where you find healing and restoration, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, there's a, when it comes to shame, I think with all emotions and to your point, Dawson, I mean, the, the deep kind of condemnation, there's no condemnation for those mm-hmm. who are in Christ Jesus. There is an unhealthy shame that people are bound up with. Mm-hmm. A healthy shame like, you know, like if I went and stole money from a bank, yeah. there's a healthy yeah, shame. Yeah, Adam and Eve in the garden, there's yeah. shame for There's yeah. a healthy yeah. shame, but, but, but the kind of shame that we're talking about here, <laughs> it, it's not the way God is wired. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the church look at God that way. I was doing something one time where I thought, man, I mean, somebody should write a book on this. Uh, And maybe you should, Dawson, someday. Uh, But I was thinking about God's will and our emotional life. Mm. And what is God's will for our emotional life? Well, when it comes to worry, what does the Bible say? Uh, you know, Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Uh, that's what his desire is as it relates yeah. to anxiety. What about fear? Should we just walk in fear? Fear not, for I am with you, mm-hmm. declares the Lord. Um, Jesus said, you know, I give you my peace. And so I think about these different types of emotion that we experience, and we believe that God's tormenting us with anger, 
the Bible says, but be angry, but do not sin, mm-hmm. right? So there's a, there's, a, there's a good side and a bad side to all these motions. Like there's a, there can be a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to feel fear if somebody's running at you with an ax, but it's not good to feel fear if you think somebody's running at you with an ax and really a kid's just bringing you a lollipop. Right. right. So uh, there's, there, there's differences, right? So all that to say, if we would think more about God's posture toward us in Jesus Christ, and if we would consider what God's wanting to achieve in our emotional life, that would then help our mental state be better. Because really, we our emotions get wrecked because our mind space is not right. And, you know, the Bible even teaches us, you know, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, da, 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 think on these things. So the Bible's pro mental health. The Bible's pro us feeling good. It yeah. doesn't mean that God doesn't allow us to get off kilter. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's not mad at his children. And I think a little reflection on the story of the prodigal son can go a long ways because there's the compassionate father and there's this reckless prodigal and he's coming back thinking, my goodness, you know, he's just totally a mess. But the father runs to him, Mm -hmm. embraces him, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on him and celebrates him, throws a party for him. And if we could just realize that God's grace is more beautiful than we can possibly even imagine, that can maybe start helping us to find some better mm. mindset thinking. Yeah, yeah. I would say also that there is there is a physical element to mental health. Sometimes there is a chemical imbalance yep. that can be the result of uh, you know previous sin. Like if you were involved in drugs or you you know you're involved in uh, a very licentious lifestyle at one point, there can be lasting effects to that. That doesn't necessarily mean that God is mad at you. You could be redeemed. You could be yeah. on uh, a great um, you know road spiritually, but there's just some other effects that are going on in your life, and so it doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And there's a soul making quality. There's a Romans five um, you know kind of uh, you know issues that we're having in our life that God is using to kind of uh, shave off some of the bad and bring about the good. Heather, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? No, I think you guys are doing a great job. All right. Well, we got, we got to keep going. We got yeah. a few more. We, got, so. we have four more myths to <laughs> yeah. get through, Tim. I would just say, as you, as you mentioned, though, that is something that we need to realize. Sometimes we're experiencing consequences and we're thinking God's mad at us. Mm. But imagine if we never experience any consequences in our life. Mm-hmm, right. That wouldn't be healthy for us either. Yeah. So God allows us to experience. So like if, if somebody sits mm-hmm. around and looks at porn every day and then they go to a harvest crusade and place their faith in Jesus under the preaching of great glory. And then a couple months <laughs> later, they're kind of mad at God because their mind's plagued yeah. with lustful thoughts yeah. and their mental health isn't good. Well, it's not that God doesn't love this person. It's not that this person isn't forgiven. It's that this person was committed to habitualizing the brain into a lot of toxic thinking. And it could just be that God wants us to realize that there's consequences to the things we think about. And he allows these courses to run its place, but he will help us in yeah. time, but it might not be at the time we want. Yeah, well, I, and I think that leads right into this next myth um, that we have. Myth number two is that uh, we have to be mentally cleaned up to approach God. So there's often this really, you know, people say, man, I have all these mental health issues. You know, if I walk into a church, it might burn down or lightning will strike <laughs> it or whatever. Uh, but but that, is that really the case, Bobby? So I, <laughs> how cleaned up do we have to be in order to approach God? I mean, I'm just so thankful uh, for that old hymn. 
come just as you are. Yeah. I've seen Billy Graham uh, three times when he was alive at different crusades, once in Florida, once in Dallas, and once in St. Louis. And, you know, George Beverly Shea would get up and, you know, you'd have the come just as you are him <laughs> playing. Um, or maybe it was Cliff Barrows that sang it. One of them, right? <laughs> One but, of the OGs. <laughs> but, but I love that. And I think that that is the way that we're to come. Uh, the prodigal <laughs> son, back to the prodigal son. The prodigal son, what does he do? He takes his father's inheritance and he thinks that he can do life better than what his father has planned yeah. for him. So what does he do? He rebels and he goes and he wastes his money on just living like the world. And he gets to a place where literally he's feeding, like he's, he's living like a pig, mm-hmm. like swine. And he's lost everything. And when he bottoms out, he's gonna go back to the father. And it says that the father runs to him. Well, we know that in the ancient um, Eastern world, in the Middle Eastern world, that robes would go down beneath your knees. Yeah. So it tells you that if the father was running, he would have rolled the robe up. And as a, in, in a way, he would have lost his dignity exposing his bare legs mm-hmm. as he mm-hmm. chased the sun, as he pursued the sun. As he, and and, and there, was a, there was a certain type of um, a way that the community of that time would meet a prodigal. They would go out and mock him and shame him and ridicule him. And so uh, this, there was a particular ceremony that they would do that. And so the whole prodigal son picture is the father wants to beat uh, the people of the community. He wants to get to his son first so they don't yeah. shame him. So he rolls up his robe, he exposes his, his legs. And can you just picture this? Like Jesus is giving us a picture of the father's love for us. Like God loses his dignity for us so that we're not shamed. Like Jesus is hanging on a cross for crying out loud, losing his dignity for us. And then he he puts a robe on him. He, he, He blows him away. And I think that... My goodness, when it comes to God's posture toward us, mm. that parable alone should let us know that we can come just as we are. Yeah. And God will meet us in the midst of our pain, sin, misery. Amen. Amen mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, love it. Well, let's move to number three. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> we got a lot more we, we can do. We went to church on that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amen. Amen to that. Uh, myth number three. Heather, uh, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about this one. Christians shouldn't take medication for their mental health issues. How should we think about medication? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know who's listened to the program before or has listened to us on Facebook Live, but as a holistic health practitioner, so I'm always going to start with why is this happening? Mm. Like, let's get to the root cause of maybe why you are having some anxiety or depression. And if you think about traditional modern medicine, they just ask what, what is happening? And then they usually, typically nine times out of 10, either wanna throw a pill at it or throw a surgery at it or something Mm. like that. So I think it's important to say, let's ask why. Why Mm. did you get here? So we can first start with diet. 
I mean, that sounds so simple, right? But maybe it's your food you're eating. Food affects your mood and food is medicine. Mm. And I think that's just a baseline. You can start right there. There are certain foods that you could remove from your diet. There are certain foods you could put into your diet that can really affect your mental state. I think we can look at your your overall health. Do you have an underlying chronic condition? Were you an addict before? Have you hijacked your brain? (laughs) You know, there's things going on. Do you have autoimmune disorders? Do you have chronic fatigue syndrome? There are so many things that could be going on to answer why holistically. And, you know, I can't, I have to always go back to the gut because our gut health affects our overall health. You're so wanting if you're, to talk about the microbiome, aren't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, always, we're, bring it on. Always and forever. Yeah, I do have a reputation, what can I say? But it's true, guys. I will say until I am blue in the face, gut health matters in yeah. all physical health truly does start in your gut. Right, Dawson? Oh, I would know that, <laughs> It <yeah>. does. <laughs> it really does. And our gut is called our second brain for a reason. Mm. So I'm always going to ask why, okay? But hear me, and I want to say this clear. I do think there is a time and a place for medication. Yeah. I really do. Because at the end of the day, whether you were an addict or you did damage your brain, maybe you've had a a brain injury. There's all kinds of things. Trauma has happened in your life. You've gone through a divorce, all kinds of things. You've just reached your threshold. And sometimes you just need that safety net of medication. Mm -hmm. So I like to say to my clients, like, yeah, you know what? You may need to get on medication for a season so that we can start working on the root cause of why you got where you are. And I know there's some people that may need to be on it forever. Mm -hmm. And there is zero shame in that. Zero. So... I yeah. hope that answers that, right, well, honey? Because, I, I mean, think, you, you're on medication, and you're very uh, yeah. open about that. Yeah, I mean, I've been on it, been off it, I'm on yeah. it. But what freed me is, look, the brain is an organ, and you have the heart's an organ. If you have high blood pressure, you, you take blood yeah, pressure totally. medicine. Yeah. If you're not getting the, the, the serotonin or the dopamine and there's some things going on, medicine mm-hmm. can just help in that yeah. way. So I think that that's where it can be helpful. Yeah. And then also, it's like the person, as I heard it illustrated, you know, a counselor told me, Bobby, uh, picture being out in the middle of a lake. You're drowning. Yeah. Well, all the medication does is it throws you a life vest, and it you still got to swim to shore, mm-hmm. but you feel like you, you can breathe. breathe. Yeah, and also, like, medic, people think that you'll become dependent on medication, and in rare cases that can happen, but—, but Essentially what it does is it allows you to cope with your emotions so that you then can you, it goes hand in hand. You have to practice certain like right. tools to to rewire your brain chemistry naturally. So if you if you're if you're an emotional wreck and you're not able to to cope, then it's gonna be really tough for you to practice some of these skills that help rewire your brain chemistry exactly. naturally. But the medication, like my dad said, it's like that life uh, vest, um, and it goes hand in hand with with some of these other skills. Um, and then once you have rewired your brain chemistry naturally, then when you're off the medication, then good for you. It's, it's that work doesn't go away. It's still there. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it goes yeah, hand in hand. Yeah. No, excellent. I think that's. I, I will put an estimation point on this from being married to a physician assistant that was in family practice for a long yeah. time and saying medication should be part right. Yes. Should be one one piece one, one piece of many yes. uh, towards you know to quality mental health, right? It shouldn't just be so many times cinema come home and say, man, this person just came in. They don't want to do anything right. else to fix uh-huh. their mental health. They just want a pill and they that's all they want to do. And mm-hmm. and there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, and the person who says, just have faith, just have faith. I've, I've illustrated like, right. imagine going to the doctor and you're getting <clears> your eyes checked and the doctor says, what's that top row? So yeah, you, you, you get it. Yeah. But then you get to the third row and you can't read it. And he's like, well, just, just, 
Just read it. Read it. Read it. Oh, I can't. We well, need to have more faith. Well, okay. I'm, let me, Lord, give me some faith to read row three. Um, okay. I still can't read row three. Right. Well, you need to pray more. <laughs> right. And I'm like, all along, I'm sitting there before this doctor who could just put me on a machine, adjust some things, and give me a prescription that could bring me into focus. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And we have no yeah. problem with it. But I feel like in the church, what we're doing is we're saying, it's okay to take blood pressure medicine. It's okay to go to a doctor for your eyesight. But my golly, if you've got uh, some brain issues going on, just have faith, just pray more. But we don't use that same reasoning when it right. comes to eyesight and blood pressure. Yes. And I think that we just need to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, well, and I think that that's, that's because of myth number four here. Excellent uh, <laughs> transition. Well, I'm glad it worked <laughs> out that segment, way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that spiritual health is the same as mental health. So Bobby, maybe you can start us off here, why is that not the case? Well, do you think it's not the case? I think it's totally (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think on one level, uh, if we uh, think about non-believers, there's non-believers that don't struggle with some of the mental health issues Mm. that of like anxiety, depression, suicide ideation, um, but it it doesn't mean they're spiritually healthy. And there's people that are spiritually healthy um, but they could be Christians that love the Lord, but they're mentally unhealthy mm. because they could have some some serious unsettled traumas. Again, yeah. mental health is caused a lot of times by traumas. There's genetic features, and some of these things need to be looked at in order for healing to take place. Yeah, yeah. I, I to second that, I would just say it. it it's for me, I'm a visual learner, right? So I think like the Bible and in my personal relationship with God absolutely has helped um, um, heal my mental health in, in several, several different ways. But there's also uh, taking a psychological approach at times has also helped me heal. Uh, Jim Wilder, um, many of you may know him from Life Model Works, Thrive. Yep. He's a neurotheologian and he he uh, essentially he'll, he he has these graphics and it lets you see different levels of your brain. So on okay. the right hemisphere of your brain, which is the relational side of your brain, you have the thalamus, the amygdala, the cingulate cortex, and the prefrontal cortex. So in order to operate effectively as a human, you have to be able to get all the way up to level four. Mm. Um, and oftentimes we get stuck at level two, which is our assessment center. This is the fight or flight response of your brain. Mm. This is where trauma lies. So if you are in a situation, for example, and you're out in public and something reminds you of a traumatic memory that you have in your life, then you are going to get hijacked and your your, your, your mind will convince you without your conscious awareness that you are um, in a fight or flight situation. And, and, and a lot of times you can stay in this hijacked state for, mm-hmm. for prolonged periods of times. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is, if you're stuck at level two, your brain can't get up to level four and then you can't hear from God. because where you hear from God is a relational side of your brain, which is at level three. Level three is where you get to experience God's thoughts. Um, um, and so if you're stuck at level two, you can't get to level three, if that makes sense. So it's very important to uh, keep that in mind uh, mm. when, when, when navigating mental health, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It does Excellent. go hand in hand. Excellent. Well, mm-hmm. let's move to Absolutely. our last myth, myth number five. Uh, I can fix my mental health issues just by reading my Bible and going to church. This is often something that is a response to people are open about their mental health issues. They go to a church leader or a fellow Christian, and that is often the response. Well, have you prayed about it? Did you read the Bible? Here's some scriptures, and that will be the end-all, be-all solution. Heather, how would you respond to, the, to this type of uh, myth? 
Yeah. Okay. So repeat the question again. <laughs> yeah, I can I fix my. On that myth. I can fix my mental <laughs> health. My wife is, let me just pause. My wife oh. is <laughs> exhibiting. One of her mental health issues, which is ADD. A rare moment of ADD. Oh, uh, you know. I was so checked out right there because anyway. I was thinking about holistic health it's and how it all runs together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you, you know, know you anyway. Know, Tim, we do that as a family it's sometimes. Okay. You just got to reel yeah. each other in. So welcome back to the program, uh, Heather. You are on Unapologetic. Yeah, I'm Heather, here. Hi, everyone. Heather, can we fix all of our mental health issues just by reading the Bible and going to church? Oh, yeah, of course. No, you can't. That's one of my pet peeves. You cannot just say a prayer and be okay, right? right. Just because you show up in church and, and read a verse doesn't mean, yeah, I can't have anxiety or depression anymore. Of course not. I do not believe that at all. Healing is a journey. You know, it's a pathway. And I think back when we did our mental health crash course, right? It's it, it's a path. It takes, you got to, takes time. It takes effort. It takes figuring out why you were here. How did you get here? Looking at your mm. past traumas, your past hurts, your past pains, your past hangups, all these things go together in order for you to heal for real. Yeah. And you have to get honest about why Why are we where we are? Mm. And I think that that's really good, hon, that you bring that up. I can imagine somebody out there going, oh, you know, so there we are, we're minimizing the Bible and prayer. And I go, I'm, no. we're not minimizing that at all. No. I mean, I was up this morning, uh, Praying in the in uh, with the Lord in my quiet time, uh, reading in the book of Malachi. Uh, the, the Bible is uh, the Word of God, and we are so thankful for that as a tool and as a resource. But there are other things that our body can respond to, right? Like uh, you know. Just because I pray and read the Bible doesn't mean that I can have double cheeseburgers for every meal the rest of my life. So when I say, you know what, you might want to mix in some chia seed or some spinach from time some to kale time. kale could be good. Nobody thinks anything of that. They agree. But the moment we say, hey, you know, you, you really need to understand the importance of just how some psychology can help you. Now, we're not talking about Freudian psychology uh, you know, uh, what we're talking about is Dawson mentioned Jim Wilder, who's a neurotheologian, which is a pretty cool term, yeah. by the way. I love that. But it's people who are fully committed to theology, but they understand that, hey, given the, you know, the evolution and uh, of scientific thought, and I'm not talking about evolution as a scientific theory, I'm talking about how we've learned some things yeah. in the field of psychology, uh, it makes sense that there's wisdom in a field for us to glean from. And it makes sense that when our amygdala gets hijacked, that there's some trauma that's underlying that needs to be healed. Uh, and there, there, there's a lot of stuff like this that can be so helpful to us. So yes, go to church, but there's many people that are sitting in church and they're praying and they're really unhealthy mentally. Uh, they're jacked up. There's, there's pastors that show up at church on Sundays and you read in the newspaper and it's like they're beating their wife or they're <coughs> out having affairs. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, wait a second. You were in the word. You were preaching the word. You were praying. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to make a case that there's got to be um, some reflection sometimes. Mm -hmm. See, you can do the right thing. You can go through the religious emotion. emotion. Let me bring out Malachi, for example. Yeah. In Malachi, God is so frustrated at the priests because the priests, what are they doing? They're bringing blind animals and maimed animals to the temple. Uh, they're basically, they're worn out by God's ways. So instead of bringing God their very best, they're bringing God leftovers. Like they're, mm -hmm. like, like they're just, they're just, 
going through the religious motions. Mm. And so there's an example. They were doing all the things yeah. uh, of upholding the word, but they were going through the religious motions. I bet their mental health wasn't too good. And so I think that it can be both and, and the church has to really get in the game if we're going to help this mental health crisis. Amen. Amen. Well, great job, guys. Well done answering those five myths. I want to let our audience know that Heather mentioned we have a mental health crash course. You can find that at our website, oneminuteapologist.com, and click on Take a Course, and you can find more information about the mental health crash course there. And so we would invite you to check out the mental health crash course. And then also check out the other episodes. During May, we're doing several episodes where we're hitting on mental health because this is Mental Health Awareness Month. So if this is a subject that interests you, uh, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a comment down there in the comments on our YouTube channel and we will continue this series for the whole month of May. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.